interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Ghouls and gore. And sometimes a little more. My bloody podcast. <laughs> hey everybody welcome to my bloody podcast we are back for halloween season summer is over it is fall like well time in texas not not uh weather wise at all because it's here still over 105 here in texas but that doesn't stop us my bloody podcast from bringing you all the latest in horror movies and reviews. I'm Brian Kluger and I'm joined by the host with the most, the man who I wear rosaries with and, you know, cat called nuns with Preston Barta. How are you? Yeah. The the best thing since sister act two. <laughs> it is. Oh my God. Uh, this is going to be good. We're, we're going to be talking about, of course, the new film, from warner brothers um and new line cinema atomic monster saffron company all of it part of the conjuring universe now the none two none sequel none yo business uh we're gonna be talking about the clumps yeah (laughs) none two revenge of the clumps (laughs) back in the habit that they shouldn't none two uh something like desecration in the abbot i i they should None There's a sh- lot we're going to talk about. Oh my god! Yeah. But but first, first, we had a little date last night. Preston and I went on a little dinner date before. I mean, we went to a dinner and a movie. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, we haven't done anything. Well, first of all, we haven't done this podcast in a little bit, so something did kind of stop us. I guess it was the the Texas heat and the the lack of horror to really comment on outside of talk to me but yes the date was nice we haven't done anything like that at least solo i feel like i can't think of many times if any that you and i just grabbed some chick-fil-a beforehand shared some macaroni and cheese lady in the tramp style and uh went to go see a movie together i loved it man we did do that more often (laughs) yes i agree it was good. We 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 had a nice romantic Chick-fil-A dinner in the middle of the mall and then we walked up and watched a horror movie. <laughs> yeah. And then we texted about it. Oh, and here we are talking about it on my bloody podcast. I'm very excited. It was a very nice date. Let's go out again. Yes, I agree. Okay, so the nun two. First we have to talk about the the nun 2018 part Dude, of five the- years ago. That's crazy. Yeah. Does it seem like it was that long ago? No, I feel like it's maybe th- three tops, but it seems like they, well, I don't know. There's a lot, a lot going on in this universe in terms of making conjuring sequels. Insidious. Annabelle. Annabelle. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, the, the nun specifically, we first saw the nun in that, amazing one of the most memorable sequences of conjuring 2 scared everybody um and conjuring 2 everybody was talking about the nun scene so they made a movie um in 2018 it was directed by corin hardy who 
literally hasn't done anything uh, since The Nun. Uh, maybe besides the Gangs of London television show, maybe, but I, I don't know. Um, and then it was written by Gary Doberman, who uh, film-wise worked on Annabelle, Annabelle Creation, It, It, Chapter 2, and then the upcoming Salem's Lot um, and of course, it was produced, an executive produced by James Wan and Peter Safran, the people who did Saw and Conjuring and all that good stuff. And then it starred Demian Beach here, which we like, but then Tysa Farmiga, who is the daughter of Vera Farmiga. Sister, Jones- man. We're going to get it right. The what? It's the sister. Oh, it's the sister. sister. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, my God. Sister. Sister of Vera Farmiga, not the daughter. And then it's Jonas. Correct, man. Sister Act. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, my fault. Sorry. Uh, and then Jonas Bequet, uh, that was kind of the the starring role. And that movie cost $20 million to make, and it grossed over $365 million. Of course, there was going to be a sequel. However, back in The Nun in 2018, I remember hating that movie. I did not like it at all. Preston, did you like it? I didn't mind it. I def I remember us having we probably talked about it on this podcast at one point because I remember us going uh I think having I was more on the positive side with it just because I really enjoyed uh Johannes's uh performance in it because he's kind of like the comedic relief and I I felt like it was kind of embracing some of that that James Wanness and in, in in like insidious or in, more so insidious too because insidious two gets like more ridiculous the same thing that James Wan does with the Fast and Furious seven that he did where it felt like it was just getting campy and kind of ridiculous and so I felt like the Nun the first one was like on this two lane highway of being very serious because it was a period piece and then it also was just having fun and kind of commenting a little bit on the, the, the absurdity that was going on and the otherworldliness of it. So I kind of enjoyed it. I think on the funny track or the funny lane, it was working for me. I was enjoying some of those characters and pieces. Um, but in terms of like building dread and things like that, a lot of it had been, seen before in other horror films so nothing was really new in that so i was kind of like 50 50 with a little bit but ultimately leaned a little more toward the positive just because i really like the the nun as a as an image and uh, the feeling that she evokes as this demon nun um but the big question is whether or not to give the nun her own movie so now that we have two of these films right you think it's like a finding dory type of situation where you have dory getting her own movie do you think that she worked does she work does the nun work better as like a character that just kind of appears every now and then or do you think that uh she deserves two movies so Going back to 2018, Nun, I I hated it. I did not like it. It was boring as shit. It was just like none of the characters spoke to me. And to answer your question that you just asked, Preston, 
The nun is a fantastic character. There's yeah. so much you can explore to this character, but somewhere along the way, nobody gave a shit about this yeah. character and threw a bunch of slop on a plate and was like, here's a movie that makes no sense. Yeah. But then again, so many people loved her, her, her one scene or yeah. her two scenes in conjuring two that they're like, let's make a movie. And I get it. Yeah. 365 million is no joke. Um, and you got to make a sequel at it. So I think the nun is very deserving of a film franchise because that character seems super cool, but how they've handled it so far minus conjuring two is ooh garbage. Yeah, I agree with you. Maybe comparing it to Finding Nemo, Finding Dory is kind of a bad example, but just kind of looking at it as she was very effective in The Conjuring 2 in those two scenes and had an impact, but that's kind of been the the rotation of or, or what propels things to happen in this uh, universe is that it's teased in maybe one of the Conjuring films or is a part of the cabinet in the annabelle creation or annabelle films and they'll get their their own film at some point and so i don't know this kind of leads into a lot of bigger or some of the main issues that i have with the nun films is that i feel like there's the Conjuring movies like are based in truth. The Warrens are real, were real people. And a lot of those stories are really fascinating to read about, especially if you watch like some of these documentaries or these uh, interviews that have been put out there. And I find them really fascinating. And at, at a certain point with this, or I guess even from the onset a little bit, they've kind of stretched the truth. And that my there's a long ongoing argument about like how much movies should be truthful and how, how much that, you know, they should have creative license to, you know, try to create something that's exorcist level in terms of uh, horror and being memorable for the frights and everything. And so I, um, it, that, that's just kind of my issue with some of these movies, especially now, because it's kind of feels like it's gotten a little bit out of hand and it's getting almost superhero movie like with this creating of the universe. And I don't know how they're going to be able to wrangle all this in and make it seem like a cohesive universe, because I feel like so much is going on now that I I, I just don't know how they're going to uh, do it going forward with this. Right. I don't know. I mean, they're they're You can kind of tell where they would go with it as far as the nun and all of their creations, because Ed and Lorraine Warren are yeah. like the center of it and they have all of these things. Yeah, their love story is what makes those movies work. Uh, I, not so much The Conjuring 3, but if you but that, but still, their love story is what makes uh, those movies or the best aspect of the film or of the that particular. Uh, yeah, the drama of it. Yeah, for sure. Um, and with Annabelle and Insidious and the Nun and all of these other ones, it's like, yeah, how are we gonna? Is there gonna be like an? And is there gonna be an Avengers Endgame type of moment where we kind of like end the franchise and maybe move on? I don't know. 
but they kind of hint well, at it. It's on its own path. I, that's not really connected with the the Conjuring universe, but yeah, for like, I don't know if there's any plans going forward with like some because I did like the last two Annabelle films. Uh, three got got really ridiculous, but it was still fun. Um, La Llorona, which, which is uh, what this uh, the director of the Nun Two has done, and also did Conjuring Three. I find it kind of puzzling when you mention that the director of the first Nun hasn't done anything since then, because I I don't see any more. I'm gonna just kind of jump ahead with one of my comments on Nun Two. Um, I don't see any more promise in him as a director than I did with the director of the first nun. Right. So Michael Chavez. He's done two movies or three movies so far. Right. And Michael Chavez, while his resume has made money, it's unarguable that Conjuring 3 and La Llorona are the worst movies in this Conjuring universe. They're terrible. They, they, they lack anything cinematic. Um, and they brought him on. And then you have Ian Goldberg and Akila Cooper writing the screenplay to this, which Ian Goldberg um, has written like a number of movies, including Autopsy of Autopsy Jane Doe, Jane. which yeah. is a great film. And then you have Akila Cooper, who um, who wrote Malignant and Megan. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were just talking about like how great she is yeah and so you have those writers under here and you have james wan who was a producer on this he went to the set and peter safran in kind of like the same cast and you're like where did this go wrong because the script was awful the of course the filming wasn't great either like the shots the camera work the cinematography was awful and it was edited poorly it just seems like a bunch of slop thrown in and with a movie with the nun, you you we only get like two minutes with the nun in this second movie. But I think unless you're a very talented filmmaker like James Wan, because clearly um, Chavez, Michael Chavez is not, you either with your horror have to go hardcore all the way or you have to be subtle. You can't blend them and expect it to work out just by you hoping it to. And I think this movie that Preston and I talked about last night, it falls into because some of it you're like, okay, this is like the slow atmospheric horror. And while we've seen every bit of scare in this movie done many times beforehand in other films better, that still has this ambiance of it. But then Michael Chavez like inserts batshit crazy stuff into it and it doesn't make sense and he never comes back and like circles around to see what happened to it so i this movie was all over the place and i did not like it preston do you feel the same way do you think it was trying to go for a different tone yeah i don't i don't know i don't know if it's it so this one for me i think uh, to kind of give uh, some positivity towards Michael Chavez as a director. I think by comparison to his previous two films, he shows a little more 
calculation with what he's doing. Like I feel like, especially with the setup of the second one. And we should say that this film, the second one takes place four years after the, the first movie, the first film. Yeah. And so we're kind of picking up with uh Tessa Farmiga's character. Um, and she's, she's at a, uh, they, they hop around a little bit. They go to a, a lot of different places, but where, where, where is she at at the beginning? Is, um, it, in, is it France? So is that I France? think they're always in France, but they were traveling to different cities, I think. Okay. Yeah. That shows how much we care. Right. So, well, I mean, like it doesn't, it, it's said, but they were like really weird names, but like, again, with that, there's not, even it takes place in the fifties, the, cinematography and the shots are all steeped in darkness like you can't see anything it's a little bit lighter i would i would i think compared to the first one because there are some moments where it has like some uh, like the, the the best shots to me in the film even though i do agree with you that there are some other shots in here especially when they use like steady cam or something where it's like I almost feel like the camera's going to rotate on them. Like they don't have quite the handle on it. There's a couple like slow walk-ins that they do where it feels like it's about to really just pivot completely out of the, out of frame. Um, but there are some shots within churches that I think like the settings are in production design, I would say, or, or some, or some positives to throw its way. But um, yeah, it, so I guess do we should we just set up the story a little yeah, bit? Yeah, yeah, set up. I mean, like with the end of Conjuring One, they kind of get rid of the nun, but not really. And in this one, this the first scene is like, oh, the nun is back and killing people, um, like a priest. Yeah, because and, it's it, yeah, it's operating through one of the characters. Right. And so uh, Farmiga's character is set with another fellow nun to go out and investigate. She's like basically forced to do it, um, to go out and investigate and stop and, you know, perform another miracle, as the Cardinal says in the movie. So uh, this time, instead of like a church, the nun is set up shop in a boarding school. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, like, saying that it's operating through one of the characters i don't feel like is a spoiler even though it's like this reveal happens later on in the movie and i was like well we've seen the end of the first one so it's not quite right it's not a spoiler and when we say operating through another character i feel like one of the downfalls of the nun too is that they don't they the director and writer they didn't know what they were doing at all and so there's no rules here. So the nun can make you see anything and make it go away. It can operate by itself or take host of another person or operate through this character in the movie. But there's no like real rule set that it's following, yeah. which is completely aggravating. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. So, but, but yeah. Yeah. So overall, uh, now that we've kind of set it up a little bit, I, I think there, um, like I mentioned, I think there's a lot, there, there are some moments of positivity in the beginning to me, especially with like, I feel like Michael Chavez has gotten better with 
building dread or creating moments of of like using like no score and like slowly building towards something that's going to ultimately be a big scare or hopefully. But I felt like the way that he, his lead up into those moments were better than the actual, you know, uh, use uh, something that Brian would love or word that Brian would love me to use climax. When we get to the climax of the scare, <laughs> um, it's, it's never quite satisfying. Like it feels like it's a buildup towards something that is just too much. Like something that we love so much about a director like Ari Aster is that they're, he's really an expert at building something, but also when it comes to the reveal or the climax, so to speak, it, it still feels like it's still a tease or it's showing you just enough to be like, Oh, like it, it feels like you're being pulled into something uh, like pulled into hell, I guess. Um, and it feels dark. It feels sinister. And when it comes to this, like it feels almost goofy. Uh, there, there's well, a. It, it is. Yeah, I mean, it is. It is goofy, and I disagree with you that Michael Chavez has come a long way. Um, I completely disagree with you. I think how he frames his movie By comparison to the other ones. I just as bad, if, just as bad, if not worse. Um, I feel like you've done these two movies, and this is what you're giving us for your third one. You've learned nothing because you're setting up your scare and it's the same scare we've seen in 3000 other movies where somebody walks down a dark hall, opens a creaky door and the camera like cuts to something else comes back and the villain, the nuns behind you and it's just standing there. And then you're waiting for like something to happen and it's silent. There's no music. There's no sound effect. And all it is, is the nun opening her mouth with sharp teeth growling. And that's it. We don't, that's every scare in this movie. Um, Minus the batshit stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Again, like the, the climactic moment uh, of, of all that is never satisfying. That's like, uh, you'll see a painting on the wall in the background. And I I will admit, like, I think that's, to me, I find that to be like an effective small little thing that they could do. But then when it comes to the actual execution of that scare, it's too much. And it's like, it, it really just like presses on the accelerator so quickly in in the way that it is like as you mentioned being poorly edited like it when it comes to the moment of the scare like it happens and it feels like half a second we move on and i was just in it it didn't quite linger enough or build it needs to keep building i don't don't know uh you get into some science stuff here but i i have to say that there's a there's a moment with a ghost kid in this and i felt like that was well done to me uh the moment when they revealed the ghost kid and like the, the one that was carrying like the little chain with the smoke yeah. coming out of it in the church yeah i like that i i i mean they should i mean again it's the shot of oh god there's like something running around you see a little kid scamper like and then he appears and then he like he's I guess he's told by the director to like start swinging this like chained smoke thing 
around and hitting your victim with it, but he like has a smile on it. I mean, it's not scary at all. And like people laughed in the theater on that. No, no, no. Uh, so the buildup with um, when you first see the kid, because there's a character that's investigating this area that's kind of closed off from everything else and uh, nobody ever goes in it. And so this person is hearing some noises in there. And yeah, they, they are making that dumb mistake of like going in there and everything and, and pitch black and not waiting till later. Um, but that's just movie logic. Um, so this person gets in there, is investigating it. And then the reveal of this ghost kid is the first reveal. I thought that was effective. And then when they show that the kid is, yeah, like doing the, the Catholic uh, smoke thing, like waving around that chain. I thought that was good. But then when they start turning it into like this uh I John know, Wick action yeah, type of thing. <laughs> uh, that's when it got ridiculous. And so yeah, that I will agree with you. I just feel like there are some admittedly some moments in here. And I know we're gonna probably talk about like the one good scare that's in this movie, an effective part that I feel like if this filmmaker had capitalize a little more on that and just kind of took some pointers out of that because that's almost that that moment is a lift from conjuring two yeah it's great it was 15 seconds long though out of a two-hour movie yeah (laughs) Yeah. what what went wrong preston what went wrong let's talk about that scene Okay. Okay. So yeah, in in this moment, not revealing too much, it happens about halfway through the movie and you'll know it when you see it. So if you don't want to know more than you already know here, then maybe uh, come back and listen to it later. But if you don't care, we're not going to go into it too, too much. Um, So in this sequence, a girl is going up the stairs Uh, believes that it's somebody that she knows is going up these stairs and uh, is just curious like where the the hell they're they're going and so goes up to the top of the stairs and then a door opens and then she goes in there to see what it is and instead of being a room that is darkly lit like the rest of the film it's like colorful has a lot of like old school yellow wallpaper from the 50s yeah but with the nun at the very end of this long hallway just staring not moving and that reveal is very much what made like conjuring to work is that it just has this darkness within like this happy or familiar area to the character um but as we learn that this isn't really what that particular area looks like it's almost like this reality stone from the adventures kind of moment um <laughs> but it uh it's it's a nice yeah it's just like a few seconds long girl freaks out goes down the stairs and then there's it, it, the way that it, it subverts your expectations a little bit um is a real nice land but again that like that's maybe a minute total of yeah because like yeah the girl's running down the stairs scared and then the nun like the camera reveals like as she's going down the nun is right in front of her but like yeah. how the nun when what happens after that how like in the conjuring too, it kind of blends with the wall or a painting like that was good. And for that 15 seconds, what, 
that could have been a tone or a presence in the movie, but instead it was very cheaply slasher type of thing. But even then, like, okay, so we talked about the nun only being in this movie for two minutes. Call the nun two. It's about this chick, uh, Valak or whatever, this nun, (laughs) (laughs) this demon. Uh, Yeah, so... Alien, the first Alien Ridley Scott movie. They barely showed the alien in that movie. It's effective. It was worth it. It was great. However, you have characters you care about. You get to know these characters, and they are interesting. But there's no interesting characters here whatsoever. Everybody, Either everybody is mean, or they're just playing it so serious that nobody gives a shit. <laughs> Well, Storm Reed's character in this, so she's she's like the uh, she play, her character is Deborah, and she plays like this the the new uh, sister that comes into this uh, circle and uh, becomes friends with Irene, which is Taste of Armiga's character. Yeah, smoking <laughs> cigarettes as a nun, cool. I'm in. Yeah, yeah. So she's a little more like I I I think that there's a little more to the to the characters that I enjoyed a little bit more probably uh, compared to you, but I somewhat enjoyed, I, I just think there's, there's just a lot of mo- moments of promise throughout this whole film, whether it's character wise or scares. And I feel like there was some promise with their dynamic. Like I, I enjoyed that Deborah was somebody who was a little bit on the rebellious side, wasn't quite convinced that, god is real and so you know hope you know hopefully leads to a moment where there's some good payoff for that 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 arc that is set up and i i I would say that it at least goes down it creates an arc um but uh so I, i i somewhat enjoyed that setup with their with their characters and their relationship I, I liked that. Um, so we have re- another returning character, as you mentioned, Maurice, who's played by Johannes Blanquette, uh, butchered his name probably. But uh, he was the, as we mentioned, the comedic relief character here. Not really that funny. Um, he's not because- funny at all in this movie. Yeah. He's, he's kind of like Captain America almost. Yeah, yeah. We go from Peter Quill to Captain America. Yeah. And so... Um, yeah, we have we have him returning, and so he's at a different location other than Tessa Farmiga's character Irene. So they parted ways at the end of the first one, but uh, things are kind of bringing them back together. Um, so he's kind of bouncing around different places uh, for work, mostly working as a handyman, and uh, becomes friends with um, one of the teachers there, whose daughter also attends that school, and so they have like a nice but familiar. We've seen it a. a a hundred times but they they have like a, a pleasant uh, relationship together uh i would say um where she, where he kind of sticks up for her like the girl uh sophie played by uh caitlin uh rose downey she is seems like a very sweet girl but she gets teased all the time by the other kids that are at the school and her mom, who's one of the teachers, played by uh, Anna Popowell, who was, I guess, last I remember seeing her was the Chronicles of Narnia movie. So that was kind of like a pleasant surprise to see her in this. Um, but, yeah, I, I feel like the pieces are there. 
I just don't, I feel like at a certain point, they, the filmmakers lost confidence with what to do with them. It almost feels like they were writing it as they went along and they didn't quite see the big picture or lost themselves along the way and didn't know what to do with it. So I, I, I just feel like the foundation was there. It just got a certain point, it got cracked and they didn't know what to build upon it. How to well, build that's it. what we said at the beginning of the show. Yeah. This character deserves to have a great franchise and they've shit the bed every chance they got minus conjuring too. And I don't know why, because his character could be awesome. Uh, and even if they did a very early prequel in like the 1800s or they even fast forwarded past Ed and Lorraine, um, you know, into present day with this nun, they could do something with it or just make these better because as they are right now, the setup is dumb. Like I don't care about these characters and I guess maybe Chavez and Juan talked and was like, yeah, you saw Malignant. Let's add some crazy shit to that. And so in the movie where there are no rules in the nun too, the nun can conjure up anything. So what does she decide to conjure up? She conjure ups a goat, but the goat is like a werewolf, like, but it's a were goat. So it's kind of like part demon, human part goat, and you don't really like, see it's like they saw that they, they, they're they were like, let's let's combine the black Philip <laughs> and black Philip. Yeah. yeah. But make him a mean son of a bitch that doesn't talk. Uh, and it's just and it, all you see of this were goat is that it runs at you and snarls. Um, yeah. And then at one point, one of the characters in this movie is like the stereotypical like evil kid, not evil kid, uh, like bully, bully yeah, kid bully. that like bullies one of the main girls in the movie. And she gets her comeuppance by the way of this goat pushing its horn through a door and stabbing her. But one of the issues with this movie is, is that the director, Michael Chavez, does not like you see the stab happen, but you no do not see what happens to the goat or this girl afterwards. Like it's not talked about or seen again. Yeah. Yeah. It was weird when the, the directed by Michael Chavez came up and I was like, whoa, that's it. I felt like there was so many things that were kind of like left, left. answered uh, that one in particular. It's just like. Yeah, that that just shows you their lack of caringness as you yeah. at this entire time. They um, didn't give a shit. And like, yeah. it's interesting because that the name comes up and it doesn't end like on like a cliffhanger. You see like the main characters come out in a sunny day and like the birds chirping and like there's a scene, but we still don't get that. And again, why? <laughs> to, I guess... To me, it seems like I don't even know if like because the autopsy of Jane Doe is a is a great, pretty great movie, and uh, there's a nice there's a nice progression throughout that entire film in terms of making you feel scared and and fear uh, the the main entity there, um, and then same thing with like Malef uh, Maleficent, Malignant, and um, Megan. Like both of them are like fun films. And, which have rules, which have yeah, rules in yeah, their universe. Yeah. yeah. So I I don't know if it was like, did any of these writers really 
start this from beginning to end? Was it somebody else that created it? And then they took a pass and then they had to keep the original writer off the thing and like some hush money. I don't know. Yeah. That's what I was trying to figure out because we read all these people behind it minus Chavez and they're like amazing, talented people. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know. It doesn't quite add up when you, you, uh, know that those filmmakers are so capable of producing something that's really that that's pretty great, um, but yet it just seems like it's almost we're going back to college days of making film and kind of experimenting a little bit more and taking things from other uh, other beats from uh, horror films that were were that are well established and good and and recognizable. Um, so yeah, like the whole goat thing, it, it felt like a, a, just some filler, just like something to create something uh, scary on the side when you have a nun, a nun. Bonnie Aarons, who is <laughs> so, is great. And they just didn't, it's it's almost like, I don't know. Uh, like, is it like Dorothy and Toto? Like, I'm, not, I'm trying to figure out what they're doing, like the nun and this goat. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, it's just like at a certain point, they just don't know what to do. Uh, they didn't know what to do uh, with the nun anymore. With what it, what it so, was. Uh, yeah, this movie, um, to, to, for me at least, I think I I enjoyed the setting. I, I like it being in overseas in France and um, this... Just because we did Euro Trip on... Fear exactly. and loathing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that 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 greased my wheels for this. Um, no, I, I I like this the setting, the 1950s and everything. I think there's an effective way to pull it off. I I just felt frustrated that there are moments where I was like, okay, this okay, we're building towards something. It's good. Like um, for instance the magazine sequence that's in this film that's teased in the trailer, I believe where uh, Tessa Farmiga's character, Irene's walking down the street and then all these uh, newspapers stand with all these magazines are flipping through pages and then ultimately it creates the shape of the nun. Very long sequence. Like it took a it long was. time. It was, I was going to say that could be handled better if it lasted five seconds, but instead it was like a two and a half minute scene of just the pages turning. And I was like, I was why like, are we still here? Doing. I know what you're doing. I know we're going to get to that. And it would have been effective if they had uh, like uh, just made it short. Because the, the scariness part of it to me uh, is something like uh, the Blair Witch movie, the most recent Blair Witch movie, like where <clears throat> geography doesn't quite make sense, but that's kind of like the scariness of it. Same thing for like The Shining or something like that. And so a character, Tessa Farmiga's character, Irene, walking down these uh, alleyways and and then uh, thinking that you're communicating with somebody and then get around the corner and then like it's not even there. Um, so it's just like kind of playing with this what's real, what's not. But again, like it's an effective moment if you think about the moment on its own. But when you think about it with in series with the other beats, it, it, it just confuses you and makes you think about like, what the hell are these? Like you said, like, what are the rules of all this? And so, yeah, that sequence with the magazines would have been great because you know where it's going. And then it just, it just didn't need, it didn't need to go on. It's, it's almost like they, 
the 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 image of it was so frightening to them or they thought it was so cool that they just let it linger on that moment a little too long and i yeah it it it, it didn't um lead to a moment that was satisfying because when the you know the throat grab or whatever it leads to um it just didn't feel just um, like we know what's going to happen here it is okay next don't they know like it doesn't have to do like uh when it's coming out of the magazines or coming out of the painting or whatever it doesn't need to be like it can just be like slow thing yeah take your cue from the ring crawl out the tv real slowly and creepy that's the scariest thing yeah, like c- coming out of the painting, like coming out looking like it or something. Like it didn't need to do that. It, it just, yeah, just a slow little thing coming out. Like, cause that would create like, a, oh my God. Like it's like in, it follows when the, the tall man's walking through the room. Like that's what causes, oh my God. It, it wouldn't have no sort of effect if that tall man ran through the room real quickly. Yeah. Like it's the slowness of it. It's like the, like, being this unstoppable force that you can do whatever you want. You can run as you no know, as far as you want, but you can't escape it. Like yeah, that's it's scariness. It's bad filmmaking on all, on a, a lot of accounts. Um, can, can, can we just talk about the fucking death scene of the nun in this movie? <laughs> of yeah, the nun? So at this point, yeah, we're totally into. Yeah. Nobody's going to see this. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> Don't see it. Um, so how do you kill the nun? How do you take out these things? I didn't mean what they did. They have to know like, this is like riff, like mystery science theater, 3000 levels of corny and dumb. Right. Well, yeah, I, I know what they were trying to go for. Cause they set it up early on. Like I mentioned with the relationship between Deborah and Irene, like one of the things that uh, Deborah says that, She's like, I just how 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 am I supposed to believe that the what that the wine's Jesus's blood? And it's just like you, you know, you gotta take that leap, you gotta believe. And so that is her moment of believing that all the wine in this particular area where they have uh, where they're all confined is gonna be the blood of Jesus Christ. They're gonna pray, turn it into the blood of Jesus Christ, and then it's going to take out this nun. So go ahead with your joke of it. Yeah, the nun in this movie dies at the hands of a barrel of Chardonnay. Um, barrels of Chardonnay just splash on her, and somehow Chardonnay is a white wine. Oh, white wine! I meant Cabernet. Cabernet, <laughs> a nice red cab or a Chianti. Um, it's uh oh my god! And so that scene, <laughs> yeah, that scene, like the nun is in the air. She's you know powering over everything and her teeth are out and that's all like that's all that's horror about it which is not anything and the two nuns are sitting there like let's pray on this wine to make it jesus's blood and it's such a like throwaway scene because like if you remember the exorcist in them saying like the power of christ compels you doing that scene that is intense and suspenseful yeah. And here it's just like, hey, you want to pray? Yeah, I'll pray. I mean, yeah, Jesus, blood, wine, let's do it. And that's how it comes across as. And then all of a sudden, all the wine just kind of um, <laughs> just spurts out on its own. There are no rules in this movie. And it's just kind of like um, Moses parting the Red Sea, but like 
uh, inverted all on uh, the nun. And she like melts like the Wizard of Oz Wicked Witch. <laughs> and it's just, yeah, it's basically what happens. And we don't get to see what happened to the were-goat that was allegedly attacking the other kids. It went back into the, 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 the rose glass, apparently. I maybe yeah because they show they show the shot and then it's back and back there so was that so that that that's the nun pulling the strings of that yeah but thing? like how how does the nun like because we have not seen the nun able to do any the nun's sort got of a, thing like, a this. like a drone like mind that can just <laughs> like yeah go anywhere again yeah. that's what makes a conjuring or some of these horror movies like it follows there are rules they follow in this universe but here with the nun too it's like she's superman and every other type of power imaginable so i just feel like it was super lazy poorly made and i don't know why because again as we said at the very beginning of this the nun is a scary ass character like legitimately a scary ass character and she deserves better than what she's getting um and this movie might cost 25 30 million dollars maybe 40 at the most considering the first one cost about 20 million i don't know who's going to go see this i'm pretty sure it's not going to make 360 million dollars but if they do a third one please like T- take listen to our show hire us we will write you an insanely good nun movie and make it for you way better than nun one and nun two yeah so i've got two things to say uh one what would have made it better so this is another uh example of characters being in the film and they're just kind of being completely forgotten about. So you mentioned a girl that's impaled by the, the goat horns. Um, but then there's uh jockeys, which is the young boy at the very beginning of the film. That's part of the cold opening where he's like um, working in like, he's the altar boy, right? Yeah. Just like, yeah. Something like that. So he's helping out with, this uh church and uh it is sent to go go down to the cellar to retrieve the wine and so this this boy ultimately witnesses a very horrific event which is uh seeing the priest being burnt like raised up in the air and then burnt alive uh, yeah yeah oh well, yeah while alive <clears throat> And so this is the kid that we were talking about earlier with the, you know, uh, Irene's chasing him down the alleyways to get information because we are told uh, at a certain point in the film that uh, he's his mom of this boy is not allowing him to speak with anybody because it was too uh, tragic and doesn't want to, him to go through all that again. Um, so, uh, but Irene's told that like sometimes he plays uh, football or soccer in the alleyway with his friends. Um, and so she finds the boy is chasing him down. So this kid is set up to be like, it, it, it's at least enough is there for you to know that this kid has gone through a lot and like what kind of life he's going to live for the rest of his life. Probably not a great one. Um, so <laughs> what, what they should have done in the end of the movie is that now that everything's been resolved, like Irene goes back to the kid to say like, Hey, everything's fine. We took care of it. You can be, you can be, uh, you can live your life 
And you can know that while it was, you know, a horrible tragedy that you witnessed, you can at least rest a little easier knowing that it's you don't have to, you know, look over your shoulder or something like that. Just something that felt like it was going to include this kid and like these characters cared about everybody right some some way um the second thing is that um i want to know what you think of the eyeballs thing that is so yeah so yeah so the eyes so so the first to the first thing what would make this movie better have a different director and um you have to have characters that you care about that seem relatable none of that is in this movie in addition, you have to have the nun in your movie more than two minutes if it's two hours long and make it about that. Make it because from nun one and nun two, everything takes place in the church. And if, like you said, that lady should have gone to that kid like, you can live your life. And, you know, you should have said like, hey, live your life, but don't live it in the church. Go away from the church because it seems like this nun is only about the church and because it's taking place. But in I'm going to stay places. in nun. Go huh? But Irene's going to say, go away from the church, but I'm going to stay with the church. Okay. Right. No, it doesn't make sense. (laughs) So it, with that until conjuring two, when she shows up in the Warren's house, other than that, I would like you to take this to the streets. Take, I mean, I mean, it seems like valid. This character can be anywhere at any time and do anything. So utilize that and make it so, to answer your second, what was the second one you said? About the eyes. The, the eyes. Okay, so the eyes. The big thing about this movie is that like her her greatest weakness and her greatest power are these golden eyes that you see in her. Like they're her Krypton and her son at the same time. And which again, no rules. And they kind of hint that maybe Vera Farmiga, like Lorraine Warren, might be related to the nun at some point. That's maybe what I thought they, they were going to go. Like, that's going to be her mom or something. Yeah, or her great-grandmother. I don't know. Well, I mean, I guess her mom. Maybe because yeah, it's, it's the 50s. 70s. Yeah. 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 So I, I'm not sure how they're going to go. But, but the eyes, when they find the eyes, they're digging through the ground. And it's, I mean, it's so dumb. And... People laughed in the theater about that. Like there's a line is like, you have your mother's eye or like, it's, it's so bad. Yeah. It's the moment that we already know what's going on. And, but the movie's got to spoon feed it to you and say like, Oh, like she, that Irene's a part of this bloodline. Of, right. Yeah. Of that and, particular, what, what was the name of the, I don't remember. Like what's the name of the, the, the you know they, because they show, they establish it by showing a painting in the film where uh this this uh this lady was blind and she was killed burned at the stake and they yeah. took her eyes out or something like that i don't remember what they called it yeah i don't remember the name either um so anyway yeah like uh it uh it's a it's a very cheesy moment when the reveal happens that we realize that she's a part of this bloodline and that's why she's protected that she's because irene at a certain point is raised up in the air just like the uh, priest at the very beginning that we're talking about the little boy and she's starting to burn alive from her feet all the way up but she has like her, her moment 
of uh, I don't what other film kind of does something similar to that where it's just like this you know reach within and you can find your way out of this um, and so she realizes that oh like I'm I'm more powerful like I like I'm a part of this uh, history or this bloodline and then uh, manages to get uh, get her way weasel her way out of that yeah I it's <laughs> like when you think about it it's funny but like why yeah, what's the decision like what what why was the decision made why are these eyes so important but again like the goat and the bully they're never talked about again after you know they take the eyes right yeah yeah, yeah it's sure. just it's just kind of there and it doesn't make sense after talking through this Preston, do you still like it as much as you did like prior to this? No, no it's made me uh, like it less. Um, so, so uh, job well done. Um, but, but still, I think throughout there are some moments of promise. It just does not ultimately does not uh, earn its keep or being a worthy watch for somebody that's invested in this universe. Because I just, I, I, I think that like I'm just going to keep repeating myself. Like I think that this director, Michael Chavez, like has some moments, but I don't know if he's leaning on other giants uh, that have done things better. And like is point, like, so the scene that we were talking about, like, you know, it's just a copy and paste from Conjuring 2, but it's still like, it, it, like that moment is the peak of the mountain in the whole movie because it's just like you're you're uh, you know going through all the character moments and the build up and setting up the story and then the, a scare, but it wasn't a good one. And so like th th this is the one moment where you're like, oh, that was a good punch, um, and then it, then it you know falls back to the the wayside uh, for the rest of it. Um, so yeah, I I just feel like overall there are some pieces here that are that either look good or can could have been moved in such a way uh on on the board where it would have been effective but it's just not confident filmmaking and it's too puzzling and it just didn't feel like complete thoughts throughout and uh they didn't they didn't know how to end it or where how to resolve things they they misused their central villain and could have found a way like you were saying like put the nun in daylight just yeah. scary. like they could have like just all throughout like they that's what made like the first insidious movie uh a good th uh, effective even though like you know a lot of that movie's like dark and blue uh for a good chunk of it but like there's a great sequence in the first insidious movie where you know james wan uh what makes him a, a great filmmaker is like he's really good at exploring the geography of places and so like he'll do a long sequence or a long take of a character like going about their day and you're like wondering it's kind of like in sicario um when they get to the border sequence and you're like where are we going with all this but i'm just compelled by it and so like that's the moment in in insidious when you're following uh rose burns character as she's doing laundry around the house you're like i don't know why this is kind of creeping me out because i don't know what's going to happen but there are things going on in the background that are just kind of like left of center 
And so it just could have just done stuff like that and not have been so in your face yeah. with all its horror moments, which is, I think, a, a pretty a big downfall. Yeah. And so for those of you who are looking at the internet and seeing articles on this, you might come across articles that say, click here, look how the nun two brings back the whole conjuring universe. Don't fall for that shit. There is an in a mid credit sequence that supposed to do that, but all it is is in the seventies, Ed and Lorraine Warren are at their house, you know, Patrick Wilson, and Vera Farmiga, they get a phone call. And Patrick Wilson answers the phone and he goes, oh, you need us? Okay, we'll be there. And that's it. And I was like, wait, what? I mean, is this just setting up for Conjuring 4? I mean, there's nothing to do with the nun. There's there's nothing. It's just like, oh, shit, did they bring him in for like two hours? Yeah, it's so stupid. It's like ending a Batman movie with them shining the bat signal out there and not <laughs> telling you why, why they're shining the bat signal. <laughs> For for the end, I know it happens at the end of the Batman movies. Like they do that, and it's just kind of like you know his story lives on. He's out. They're out it, there. It, That's it. That, they're it's there. Not like a, it's not a moment like Batman Begins where he's like he leaves the calling card, and you're like, oh, Joker. Okay, so yeah, it, like it, do the Amityville horror stuff. Like I guess they kind of did that already in the second one. Um, but like just tease a case like it'd be like i don't know i don't know uh they need to show the other end of the line of like who they're getting the phone call from or something right no it would be awesome but no it just again none two just doesn't make any sense there are no rules nothing lands and it's a bad movie don't see it you know or or write your congressman and say like make a better none three movie (laughs) Write Warner Bros. and say, you did so well with Barbie, but what are you doing here? (laughs) What are you doing here? Oh, God. Okay. Brings up to our last question. Um, The nun, the character, the nun. Put her in another movie to make it better. Uh... God, I'd like Mrs. Doubtfire. Like, I want to see, I want to see, like, because there, there, there's been like this uh, thing going on 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 Instagram and and uh, TikTok right now, where they uh, they show that great sequence of Mrs. Doubtfire looking down uh, in out the window and then like giving the finger. Finger, yeah. So they've been doing like cross cutting between that and it, where it shows like it, you know, using the hand to like wave goodbye wave hello um so but but that just makes my mind kind of go like oh man i just want to see somebody like mrs doubtfire who is trying to keep control of everything and then um something like throw her throw a nun wrench in there and (laughs) shake it up um like uh yeah i don't know what 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 you could do with the story but just the the promise of that sounds pretty appetizing Okay. All right. I see you. I see you. I'm going to go with uh, a movie I already like, but I think this will make it better. Soul Plane. Put the nun in Soul Plane. <laughs> it's going to be Either... like Voyage of the Demeter, but on a plane with the nun. <laughs> what was Soul, Pl- Soul Plane 2 with the nun 
either the movie's going to be two minutes long because it's going to go down and crash really soon <laughs> or everybody on the plane's going to fight back by somehow it's going to be good either way <laughs> now now i want to see the nun and con air <laughs> strapped in yeah, put like the nun back in the box <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Cyrus the virus is no longer the scariest character. Like they all take orders from the nun. Nun, yes. It's a good idea. Talk to us. Oh my God. Nun too. This brings back our My Bloody podcast. We have a bunch of other things that we're going to be doing here on this show over the next several weeks, including interviews, uh, some Bubba Hotep stuff, and uh, yeah. other movies. So. But yeah, none too. It'll be out in theaters this weekend. Um, yeah, that's what it is. But uh, my bloody podcast. Thank you for listening to us. You can find Press and I also at Fear and Loathing in Cinema Podcast, where we're talking about those movies you once thought suck, but now they're awesome. Our most recent one, Euro Trip. Um, very excited about that. But uh, Preston, where can the masses find you? You can find me mostly on Instagram at Blu-ray Dad, and I'm also kind of on Twitter. I look on there every so often, but uh, that's under my name, Preston Barda. And then you can find my writing, interviews, and everything like that on FreshFiction.tv or the Ditton Record Chronicle, which is DittonRC.com. Hell yeah, find them there. I'm Brian Kluger. You can find me at HighDefDigest.com, writing movie reviews. In Blu-ray reviews, you find me at Boomstick Comics, where all the podcasts are. You could also find me at Instagram and Twitter and TikTok and Blue Sky and Threads and YouTube at Brian Kluger. Uh, Wednesdays from noon till two, Electromagnetic Radio Soundtracks Radio, where I'm playing soundtracks. And uh, soon to be here, OnlyFans, Brian Kluger style. Nude movie reviews. With that nun outfit. <laughs> with that nun out with that nudie nun outfit until next time uh feel free to tip uh preston and i um we'll go on another date <laughs> yeah yeah do that and and also do the usual thing which is to subscribe and write positive reviews about us yes <laughs> yes please get it, help us help us get noticed so we can write a a good sequel to the yeah to yeah none three yeah with whoopi goldberg we'll do yes. it all right later y'all <laughs> <laughs>